Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Everything Auburn. I'm not starting out with the ad because we got to address what the heck is going on with my co-host right now. Jason Campbell, Taylor Davis, War Eagle, everybody. Welcome to Believe in Everything Auburn. Jason and I were talking about this upcoming matchup. I might have sounded a little pessimistic and Jason put on this hat over his headphones and declared that he's blocking out the negativity. He's only listening to his own thoughts about the weekend. So I feel like this is this is a good attitude for us to have, Jay. Yeah, it's a great attitude. See, me blocking out all the noise prevents me from getting gray hair. You know, everybody trying to figure out what's going on. Or we, we have a chance to beat LSU. I was the main one telling everybody that we had every opportunity to beat Georgia. And yeah, people was just like, oh, I just I just want us to be competitive. I said, where's the belief? I was just like, no, I believe we can beat Georgia. And I laid out the reasons why I thought we could beat Georgia mm-hmm. and everything. But I'm just keeping all my noise between my ears with my headphones on for this episode. I got my little hat on that says run Auburn. You know, yeah. I'm just uh, blocking out anything from <laughs> somebody trying to just throw shade over here right now. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not having it. (laughs) Well, yes, I give credit where credit is due. And back in the summer when we were doing a far too early season prediction, you said Auburn was going to upset Georgia. Unfortunately, it didn't officially come to fruition, but boy, were we right there. So we're going to get into it. Just had to address this, uh, this choice of my co-host right now, but you know, what's up, believe in everything Auburn as always presented by bet online football is back and bet online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news scores, and matchup breakdowns. You can get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with bet online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one, all the way to the college football playoff and super bowl bet online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is B-L-E-A-V, bet online, where the game starts. War Eagle, as always, blocking out the haters. Taylor Davis, Jason Campbell, welcome in, everybody. It is week seven of college football, which is just insane. Every single season... I'm always mind blown at how quickly it goes by. It never ceases to amaze me. And this year is no exception. We are already on week seven. We are at the halfway point. Auburn coming off of their bye week and continuing to try and create and maintain some momentum. Heading to Death Valley down in Baton Rouge this weekend on the heels of the bye week. On the heels of a very electric day in Jordan-Hare that unfortunately amounted in a 27-20 to loss to Georgia, but definitely a lot to be proud of, as Hugh Freeze says. It doesn't take away from the sting, but uh, there there was positivity. It wasn't the same type of loss that we saw at Texas A&M. So we take that for what it's worth, right? So let's talk a little bit about the Georgia game because obviously the number one team in the nation, back-to-back national champion, comes to town. We've yet to put together a really compelling win. I mean, the couple that were lopsided were against teams that we should have. 
and the cow one left uh, much to be desired. So um, we head into a, a very exciting Deep South Oldest Rivalry edition, and we did what I expected us to do in terms of keeping it close. And I think that at the end of the day, the offensive woes are, are going to continue to show up in, in games like that. And the defensive progression will continue to show up in games like that. And that's what we saw. Without an established passing game, you're always going to be in those really tight, contended situations. The defense kept us in it. The run game did what they could. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about where you think this team is, Jay, and what you saw against Georgia that kind of adds into your holistic philosophy of where this team sits halfway through the season. Well, I'll take my head off now. It's money. You know, it's, it's it's great. It's great outside. The weather's cut, awesome. Jay. It's a beautiful fall. I need a haircut so bad. Yeah, I'm just over here, just you know, treading water right now until I can get one. But is that time? No, I would say this though. Auburn showed up for the Georgia game in unique fashion, and what I mean by okay. that is everybody said that the Georgia defense was going to dominate. You know, up front, how we struggled against A and M's front seven because we know how great they are and. And because Kirby has a history of having a really good front seven, everyone thought we would probably struggle running the ball and we're going to come down to us throwing the ball. But ironically, our offensive line, they came up and they showed out in -hmm. in run blocking. Like, you know, the rushing yards that we was able to put up against Georgia, you know, and and you saw Kentucky wasn't able to do that same thing. And Mm -hmm. people thought because we we could do it, Kentucky could do it. And that just wasn't the case this past Saturday. And it just goes to show you like, hey, you know, we have the right mindset up front that we can compete when we have to. And, you know, the guys learned a lot from the AM game. It's what you want to see. You know, you develop mm-hmm. from, from, from week to week as this thing continues. And they show from an offensive line standpoint that, hey, we can compete with the best of them, you know, when 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 we're all playing together and we're not having those crazy right. penalties, those holding calls, those, you know, missed opportunities that we had in the AM game that cost us, didn't cost us in this game offensively. And I feel mm-hmm. like you know, the guys came out and, and and established something up front and they should be moving forward, Taylor, with a lot of confidence. Like, I'm not sure you're going to face, you know, Bama has a really good front seven, but I'm not sure up until we get to the Iron Bowl game that you're going to face better front sevens than you face against AM and against Georgia. You know, those Fair. two teams are elite at their front seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our offensive line should feel good about that. My concern for us still offensively is we haven't had 100 yards passing versus our last big power five opponents. Mm-hmm. You know, like let that sink in. Like yep. in a in the days time where passing is like the go to thing back when we was playing, everybody want to try to run the ball. And then, you know, you play action mm-hmm. pass and everything. If you threw the ball 40 times, people was kicking the door in. Like what's going on? <laughs> you know, yeah. like now it's expected almost right. for you to put up high passing numbers because that's the way mm-hmm. the game is going. And for us not to be able to, you know, create over a hundred yards passing, what are the factors in that? Yeah. You know, quarterback missing throws or not being timed up accurately, you know, throwing the ball receivers, dropping passes, you know, offensive line missing certain blocks and key moments. So it's a lot of it that goes into it. It's not like you just pinpoint one person or, or one sure. position in passing game as a whole. So I feel like for us going into this game this week, that that's going to have to evolve because we're playing an offense that may be able to score points and we know they can score points, but 
you know, so we'll get into that as we go. You're absolutely right. Against Georgia, the ground game, 200 rushing yard, 219 rushing yards was the most Georgia has given up since 2016. And like you said, Kentucky with Ray Davis, who has been one of the most electric backs in the country so far, was unable to curate pretty much anything on the ground. So I definitely felt good about that, specifically the offensive line. Brian Batie, Jarquez doing what they've got to do. And Peyton getting in on that, too. He was the highest rusher on the day. Didn't have that on my bingo card, but it was true. Uh, 82 passing yards for Peyton, 92 rushing yards. Uh, but the passing game is, it is the Achilles heel of this team. I, I mean, like, there is just nothing. And it's, it's while you can understand, like we say all the time, Peyton Thorne wasn't here in spring. He hasn't gotten the amount of reps that they needed. Hugh Freeze continuously points out the lack of size of this wide receiver group. And when you think back over Hugh Freeze's coaching resume, he's always had those guys, you know, AJ and DK Metcalf and all of those guys that he's had big, like just forces on the perimeter. Those guys that you're like, F it, he's down there somewhere, you know? We we don't have those other than Rivaldo Fairweather, which is a different guy. It's interesting because while I understand it not being clicking on all cylinders, I'm confused why we haven't seen a bit more progress because we have two guys in him and Philip Montgomery that that is their bread and butter. That And they have gotten into situations that they could turn around very quickly. I actually have some numbers on this. Let me find it. In 2012... When Hugh Freeze took on the job at Ole Miss, that team had ranked 111th nationally in yards per passing attempt the year before. They jumped to 25 that next year. Very quick turnaround. Tulsa went from number 88 in passing yards per attempt to 15 in Philip Montgomery's first season. These are two guys that have taken on poorly equipped passing games and flip the script pretty quickly. I'm not sitting here telling you they're top five in the nation, but that's a big jump in one year. So is it just a need of personnel? I mean, I understand I'm not pointing fingers at any one guy. I'm not saying it's just the quarterback, just the line, but it does feel like what Hugh Freeze has said that this roster has improved, but it's not necessarily built for what we're trying to do just yet. You got to have playmakers, man. Like, we have some guys on the team, and I think a lot of it right now, Taylor, is just pressure. I think this team is pressing from a passing game perspective because we can run the ball at will, we feel like it. But then we get in those situations where it's third and six or more, we're just struggling. And, mm -hmm. you know, we end up losing the game against Georgia because we couldn't convert on third or fourth down, you know, and – and everything and so you think about it overall is that's why i said during the a during the umass game during the sanford game what should we be doing throwing the heck out of the football and i said that because you want to build chemistry against teams that you can't like okay not trying to down those teams but those are confidence building games and right. get confidence in your passing game like i wanted to see us throw for 250 or 300 more in those games because that way it gets the receivers feeling confident, feeling good. If they feel like, oh, I only got one catch, or I ain't had no catches in two to three games, they yeah. don't feel like they're part of the offense. So then when you got to count them in the game on it's third and six or third and seven, now you want to go make this play, you know, it's just not there because it's just they haven't, they don't have no confidence. 
Yeah. You know, and so right now I, I just feel like offensively, hopefully this whole bye week has been a lot of that, like self-scouting and guys realize like, okay, you know, I need to do this better. Coach right. staff saying, okay, this is how we can work certain guys in because there's guys we haven't even heard of that got here. Where's Jair Shorter? You know, the kid from North Texas that was tearing it up. You know, right. Hollywood Hooks, he's been on the field, but I don't know if he was targeted maybe one or twice last game. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's not like a lot of passing attempts going on as well. And I, that just shows me that Coach Freeze and Coach Montgomery is not very confident right now in our passing game from, a, from you know, for whatever reason. Uh, for a multitude of reasons, it sounds. And honestly, they don't have much reason to be. In the last two games against Texas A&M and Georgia, we were outgained in passing yards 506 to 144. That's an insane discrepancy, which also goes to show our passing defense can step it up a little bit. I don't think we have that one guy on the defensive front. We also lost another one this week, so Keldrick Brock is going to be starting at defensive end. But it doesn't seem like we have that one guy that's going to win those one-on-ones and really get into the backfield and force something you know irrational out of the opposing passing game. So that's a little bit of it, too. and, and, I mean, it goes without saying, you have to shut down a team's main guy. But, I mean, Brock Bowers, dude, four uh, catches and 121 yards mm. in the fourth quarter. Mm. In the fourth quarter. That's what won it. That is what won it. Not just that one play, but that they saw Brock come alive and we did not shut it down. He just had way too much comfortability and space out there. And this is one of the best guy in Yak in the country. So that was a little disappointing. But nonetheless, I thought the defense played lights out. I did appreciate not only were we forcing turnovers, we were capitalizing on them offensively. And when coaches talk about complementary football, that's what they're talking about. If one side is going to do something that benefits the team, the other has to match it. You can't have one half of this thing going. Defense forced turnovers, offense took advantage and got points on the board. Little things like that should encourage this coaching staff that improvements are being made. But you're right. I think while the chemistry element has to continue to build, and I, I fully understand a lot of the reasons we got to see more from this quarterback situation, from this quarterback position, whoever's out there, even from a decision-making standpoint and, and being kind of the, the leader on the team, get rid of the ball before sack, before taking a sack, like make those good decisions. The read options are getting a little bit better. There were way more quarterback run plays designed for Peyton this week or two weeks ago, but I think there is a bit more of moxie, and assertiveness that we need to see from the quarterback position. Two things I'd like to point on. You made some great points. Defensively, yes, we don't have a Derrick Hall, you know, that we had a year ago. You know, a Mm -hmm. guy that you probably can rush for and say, hey, you can go and beat your guy and get to the quarterback. Most of our pressures this year have come off adding secondary pressure. Mm -hmm. And one of those key guys is out. And, you know, that's Keontae Scott. I do believe if we had Keontae Scott in this last game, we win this game. There's a Mm. a lot of factors why. Keontae is a big punt returner as well. So he's elusive with the ball at punt return. But he's also one of our best cover guys. Like at that star position, which is the nickel on defense, he's one of our best cover guys. So at that point in time with Brock Bowers, we was double teaming, but what we was doing is playing safety on top, but we was Mm -hmm. playing our star, our star guy 
five yards off of him. So mm-hmm. what happened is in Mike Bobo's system, Bowers would come off the ball. He has a two-way go. And a two-way go was based off however I slot DB was playing him. If he played him inside, he was going to break out. If he played outside, he's going to break in. But he wasn't going to get enough depth to get up to the safety unless he ran like a seam route or a skinny post or something from the tight end position. Other than that, it's almost man coverage underneath is what is kind of considered. So the thing, the problem that happened is Donovan Kaufman is a really good football player for us. But Donovan is more of a run hitter. He's more of a run hitter. He's more of a, a, a... a blitzer like you've seen mm-hmm. him get in some games where he's caused some problems uh blitzing off the nickel off the slot and when you put him in coverage against one of the, the best tight end in football in college yeah. you know he can kind of get lost a little bit because he's like man i'm covering this guy i don't want to get beat deep but i'm kind of giving up that 10 to 12 yards range mm-hmm. and that's kind of where we lost the game at was because you know brought now that one incredible catch he made behind his back one hand you just gotta give. You can't do credit. anything about that. Yeah, yeah. That, was great, that was just great coverage. It's just a great, exactly. a better play by him. But late in that game, on that drive to go win it, that's where I was just like, "This is where we miss Keontae Scott." Because Keontae yeah. Scott would have been impressed on Bowers. That's and the one thing that point. you're trying to do impress is, okay, you got safety over top. So as a DB, I know I got help behind me. So I'm not worried about once you get past ten to twelve yards, my safety is there. I know I got to get you. I'm guarding you all the way from 12 yards under. And from mm-hmm. that standpoint is if I'm going to press you off the ball and Keontae is so quick, I'm going to press you off the ball. So I'm going to disrupt the the rhythm between the quarterback and Brock Bowers. So yeah. Beck is not going to have time to sit there and allow Bowers to get 10 yards down the field to break out or break in because Keontae is jamming him off the line of scrimmage, which takes about a second and a half to two seconds, which disrupts. So now he got to move on to the rest of his receivers. And mm. that's how you win that game. And the fact that he was playing five yards off in the slot, it allowed him to get free, like you said, get off the ball freely without being attacked and he was able to get into his routes and it kept the timing on for him and the quarterback yeah you need someone up there to disrupt that timing and press i agree with this the, the scheme that they ran i just mm-hmm. preferred that we had someone pressing on brock bowers to yeah. jam him to cause that that timing to go off in the clock of a uh, beck's head so yeah and you talk about quarterback yes we had some really good quarterback design runs in that game you know, mm-hmm. uh, that really hurts the Georgia defense. But we talked about that. Ted. We talked about that the week we got ready to play. We said, what's the one thing that hurts the Kirby Smart defense or even the saving defense is when the quarterback is involved in the run game. Yep. I said, so that's exactly what they did. Had a great plan for that. But then again, what hurts us again, which always does, is we don't have a consistent passing game. And yeah. Aiden's supposed to be an accurate guy. That's what he was built off of coming from Michigan State. Uh, you know, that's supposed to be his thing. So what tells me about him is there can be two things. Either he's still not comfortable with the system and he's not sure to go with the ball and he just doesn't trust that everyone's going to be where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. So I tend to hold on to it a little bit longer than I should. Yeah. And now, now instead of the guy being open, he's covered, you know, because I held on to it. So that those two things can be huge factors that's going through his. Now, Robbie, Robbie comes in the game. He had some exceptional runs, but at the end of the day, do the defense respect his passing ability? They don't because they haven't seen him throw a lot, you know. And then from that, did he have a pass attempt? I don't think he had one. I don't think he had a pass attempt. And then the be a little more predictable. Yeah. Then the A and M game, he had a couple passing attempts, and you know, 
I thought two of them, the receivers should have called, you know, and then one just kind of got away from him. But at the end of the day, there's not a lot of reps there passing perspective to see like, okay, is he developed as a passer? We don't know. Right. Right. It's not a, it's not a lot of volume there. So those are things that's going on right now. I feel like from a quarterback perspective, I do think the key for this team though, from that is our offensive line, you know, they pride themselves on not giving up sacks. And sometimes if your quarterback hold on to the ball too long, and get a sack, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of ticked off. And then sometimes a yeah. quarterback, you're like, I need you to block a little long because mm-hmm. I got a guy running open. So <laughs> I think it's just a whole trust thing right now that this team has got to develop in the passing game. In the run game, it's not a lot of trust. You got really good running backs, a run, a, a lineman see a guy in front of him, he said, hey, this is my guy, I'm going to block it. There's no guessing. I don't have to worry about zone blitzes. I'm just blocking yeah. the guy that's in my zone. So things go faster. We just got to get to that point in the passing game. Right. As we transition and look ahead a little bit to LSU, I, I feel like that you at least got to see it click a little bit more. I, I don't I- anticipate we're going to be this prolific passing air attack, but I do think against this LSU offense, you have to be able to match what they're going to do to put points on the board. And if they are capable of shutting down our run game, we are very one dimensional right now. So if we don't establish some sort of consistency in the passing game, we're going to have a long night in Baton Rouge because they have figured out a way to uh, accrue a lot of points. They are currently four and two. Their two losses coming to Florida state to open up season. And then Ole Miss in a crazy shootout in Oxford a couple weeks ago, they're coming off. Another pretty wild game against Missouri, and that was a unexpected at the beginning of season, very good matchup. Missouri has a lot of stud, honestly, stud receivers. Luther Burden is one of the best in the country. Brady Cook has certainly established him, himself as a very effective quarterback, and their defense has been steadily improving as well. So that matchup actually ended up being a lot more compelling than we thought coming into the season. They were behind at some point, and they, they figured it out. Brian Kelly every week feels like they have learned a little bit more and then you see it. And obviously it didn't amount in a win in Oxford, but I do think you see some improvements each week and for coaches new in their tenure, that's what you're hoping for. And I, I certainly think Hugh Freeze wants to continue to see that out of Auburn. Um, we will still be without Keontae Scott, like you've mentioned, Austin Keys, Damari Alston and Javarius Johnson is also out. So We will be down some key guys in this one. And like we all know, Death Valley at night is a very, very tough, one of the toughest in the country uh, to play in for sure. But this LSU defense is not the LSU defense we're used to. They are definitely um, scratching their head a little bit because that has been DBU in years past. Like this is, this is always a team that comes out with some hair on fire defense And they've had to rely on Jaden Daniels and the passing attack so far this season. Their run game has come along in the last couple. I believe their running back uh, has back-to-back 100-yard games. But to start the season, it's pretty much just pass attack. I mean, Jaden Daniels has become one of the most reliable. And look, he ain't ain't afraid to take off and run too, even though he's a little scrawnier than you would like. But uh, it's definitely an offense that has found their identity and continuing to evolve. I think our defense will certainly make it challenging on them, but their defense has some struggles too. It's kind of the opposite. They're they're strong on offense and have some holes in defense. We're strong on defense, have some holes in offense. Which one puts it all together? So, give me your scouting report what you've what you've learned in your prep about LSU and where they sit right now. Yeah, I'm just sitting up here looking at their numbers, you know, like they have two receivers averaging, you know, over 100 yards per game. 
You know, mm-hmm. you got Malik Napers, who's averaging 128.5. You know, then you got Brian Thomas Jr., who's averaging yeah. 100.5 per game. So they have two guys that are studs. You know, Jaden Daniels averaging 328.2 uh, yards per game. Average. You know, so we know that they're going to put the ball in the air. And yeah. we know that they're going to utilize him in the run game. You know, he's a big part of what they do from a run game perspective. And you mentioned yeah. their defense. You think LSU, you've always thought great defense, you yep. know, and great linebacker play and always had two dominant defensive tackles and always had DBU. Like you said, all their DBs mm-hmm. could play at the next level. So yep. it's very shocking when you look at this team and you're like, dang, like people putting up points on them like at – at bay, you know, it's just yeah. so easy for them to go down the field. And all their games seem like since the second half of their first game against Florida State, the defense played pretty good in the first half of that game. It seemed like since the second half, it just completely just fall, fell apart. And it's been falling yeah. apart ever since. And it's weird. And I, yeah, it's very weird. So when you think about this this game and, and everything, you know, Logan Diggs, they're running back, you know, he's averaging 97 yards. Uh, mm-hmm. 97.6 yards a game. And then who's next? Jaden Daniels, the quarterback, who's averaging 70.3. You know, so it's just the quarterback's the second leading rusher on the football that team. That says you something. Know? Yeah. And, and, you know, he is, like you said, he's not a big kid. He's not a strong kid. Every time he gets hit, you wonder if he's getting I'm, like, up. nervous. <laughs> yeah, he gets up so slow. And I was like, dude, like. He doesn't have you, a like, lot of meat on his bones. Yeah. So, you know, he, he, he you know. He doesn't he's carry tough. a lot of weight there. He's just very quick. He's agile in the pocket. He's mm-hmm. elusive. So from our defensive front, they have to understand this game. Like, hey, when you get your hands on him, hold on to the whistles blown. Yes. You know, you know, don't don't hold, don't get to him and think you got him. Like, no, you have to hold on to him to the whistles blown. Totally. And then from a from another perspective, we lose Mosaic Kalite. Yeah, Mosaic, he's out. You know, he's that that hurts me because he's a really good kid and plays hard. And you're talking about when our edge rushers is out. And now a lot of things fall on our young kid, Kedra Falk, who's a five-star freshman we signed in January. I mean, December. So, you know, he's a really good kid, level-headed. He's going – he has the right size for the position. And it's going to be good experience for him. For sure. Yeah, like I told him, I'm like, hey, man, don't go out there and feel like you have to make every play or you have to – reinvent the wheel like you know mm-hmm. just go out there and play your game and and you know when you get to the sideline make sure you're communicating from a standpoint of like hey let some of the older guys help you from a knowledge standpoint while your physical ability is able to just do what they do you know right so in that position but taylor for us to win this game we got to be efficient on third down offensively let's just be honest you've got to play ball control yeah. against a team like this what we do very well we run the ball this kind of plays into our hands when it comes against LSU because if you can run the ball and sustain drives and keep Jaden Daniels and that offense on the sideline, you know, this is not a game for us for us to get pass happy. This wouldn't be the one I say, okay, let's get pass happy. No, this yeah. is the game you want to slow it down and make them have to, when they get on the field, we got to score though when we have these long drives. And to mm-hmm. the point where LSU do get on the field, they feel pressure to have to score every time because right. now we are controlling the clock. So they feel like their possessions are limited. So they don't have as many possessions as they get. They want us to throw the ball like Ole Miss because Ole Miss, you get off the field, they get a shot, another shot to go and try to win the game. They True. actually could have won that game. They dropped the ball in the oh, end yeah. zone the last play. So because they're up, so they have numerous opportunities. We have to limit their opportunities by running the football. But our quarterbacks, when we do 
are called upon to pass the ball and receivers, we got to be efficient. We got to be efficient on third downs. And it's going to be loud. They think it was loud in A&M. Uh-uh. This doesn't compare to a night game in LSU and Death it's Valley. You have different. got to be able to communicate. You can't have these first and 15s. You can't have these holding calls in critical moments. You've got to be sure that you're staying on top of, of what you're doing and everyone is watching the football. Defensively, up front, hey, this may not be a game you blitz a lot because that leaves our yeah. guys one-on-one a lot outside. Can we win some of those battles? Yes, I believe in our corners. I believe we can win some of those battles. But at the same time, when you blitz as much, you vacate open space in the middle of the field. This is Which where they will take play. advantage of. Right, they take advantage of because they're just dial up stuff to come out the quarterback hands quickly. Exactly. So this is a game that we're going to have to play coverage, and we're going to have to say have that that bend but don't break mentality when it comes to mm-hmm. defense. And that's kind of what we did against Georgia. We had to bend but don't yeah. break. Like, you know, we forced them when they got the red zone kicks and field goals. So I like us doing that in this game. If we can do those two things in this game, then we can go down there and steal a victory in Baton Rouge and be successful. That will be crazy. And keep in mind – this is the last one of these matchups, at least for the next year. That's we do not good. have this on our schedule next year, and this one has always had some crazy stuff to it. So for the last year of divisions in the SEC, I fully anticipate this matchup is going to be worked back into the schedule when we figure things out down the road. But for 2024, we will not play LSU. So uh, I'm hopeful that it'll be an exciting one like so many have been. I also think Creating some turnovers goes without saying, but I think it's going to be imperative to kind of get their offense off track. Jalen Simpson, just what a guy, man. He he flew around at Georgia, had that big interception through the guy's arms. I mean, there there's definitely some playmakers out there that can get Jaden Daniels and, and their receivers off a little bit. And I think if we do that, it provides our offense a little bit of breathing room to kind of create their own chemistry as well. Let me ask you a question. Because this has confused me for so long and it showed up in our game against Georgia. And I was like, someone needs to make this make sense for me. Third and short, fourth and short situations. Why go shotgun? Why? Why not be under center every time? You are adding distance and increasing the possibility of something going wrong. It Obviously, it showed up in our game. There was a high snap when Robbie was in shotgun. He could have been under center. Jarquez had to run to a completely different hole because of the way it shut down with the high snap. It's unnecessary, and it caused pro- causes problems more often than it helps. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's a lot of times I've asked this question to a couple of offensive coordinators before in the past. I was just like, when it's third and one or fourth and one, I say, isn't that helping the defense when a quarterback is four and a half and the running back's five yards deep? It I say, seems like common I, sense. I said, by the time he gets the ball, you know, he got to get to the line of scrimmage. He got five yards a game before he can get to the line of scrimmage. I said, I know you want to, you know, penetrate and get guys a chance to see the hole. I said, but for me, though, I'm just like, that hole is only there for half a second. If you're under the center, it's a quick hitter, especially when everybody's in tight. So it's yes. not going to be a lot of room, you know. Uh, I've always asked that question. I like it if you want to go shotgun and you're going to spread everybody out mm-hmm. because now you can get more of a six-man box or a five-man box, whatever you're looking for, and now you run the ball. Now I like that aspect of it because there's a threat of, okay, we may throw the ball to a bubble screen or something or a quick slant so guys are kind of outside that box a little bit. Now you can kind of hit it in there. Now you have everybody inside and you're in three and a four tight end set. Now you bring everybody to the party. 
Now, you know, it gets very cloudy and muddy in there. And the thing is, why you think you see the Eagles on third and one and fourth and one, they get behind Jalen and they do this mush thing where they push everybody forward and they get it every single time. I mean, you know, they haven't been stopped yet. So now other teams are trying that. So I'm just like in that situation, especially against a defensive front that you feel like can be a little bit they're aggressive. Mm -hmm. Like I like to get on the center, just go quarterback sneak and get my guys behind and push them forward. You know, like I feel like a a guy like Robbie, yeah, I, and he's strong. You know, Robbie's right. a strong kid. So I That's feel what like I'm Jay, yeah, Jalen is a strong kid. That's a lot of why it works. And now, like their lower body is, it, these guys have Built strong legs. Yeah. So I do agree. Like we could have just got Robbie under the center and just did some form of a quarterback sneak, and you get the running backs behind him where they're giving an extra push along with his leg screen. I think you pick up that first down. Agreed. I agree with you. It's just too much that can happen when I'm in shotgun and I'm away from the ball like that because, like you said. It didn't happen not one time. It happened twice mm-hmm. in that game. And both of them was high snaps. And I agree with him going forward in that situation. Hey, we come to win the ball Me game. Me too. You know, it's the number one team there. in the nation. You have there to do things like that. Yeah. And we get the ball at the start of the second half. So guess what? Shotgun. We're coming to win the game. So I yeah. agree with him in that situation. The problem is you can't dictate the center snapping that ball the way it went. You know, nope. anything to the left is off tilt. Anything high is off tilt. Anything that's low off tilt. It messes up the whole thing because that's supposed to be a quick hitter where he was supposed to catch the ball and quickly hand it to our running back. He's supposed to get downhill ASAP. Yep. When that ball went high, now he's trying to make sure he catch it. And then the running back, he stutters to have to wait to the ball to get it. And now he goes, it's too late. You know, like yeah. the hole that was there is gone. You know, yep. like had it been a clean snap, yes, it would have been a first down. The hole was there. But mm-hmm. it closed like that once that ball and everything's time was completely thrown off. That's why I don't like being in center. I mean, being in okay. shotgun on third and one and fourth and one when you're going to go in that situation because the snap can just be off. You saw, exactly. it in the U- you saw it in the USC Arizona game. I'm not sure if you stayed up to watch that game Saturday. I caught but highlights. The, but the kick, though, you know, the, the, the kick, it was a high snap. That's why I tell mm-hmm. people play to the end. It was a yeah. high snap, and a guy tried to catch it and put it down through the kickoff block overtime. Yep. Yep. So I agree with you in that situation. Like, you know, let's get under the center. You see it so many times in the pros where you, they get behind a quarterback and they just, especially you got a strong quarterback, they just push him forward. Yeah. You're just making it harder on yourself. I really don't understand. Yeah. And that one seemed like a really pivotal missed opportunity. It really yeah. kind of – because we had created a lot of momentum out of the out of halftime with the turnover and the score. And I feel like that one, that one would have had some ripple effects had we converted. I mean, we definitely at least would have gone away with three, but uh, anyway, we will close the book on that one. Look ahead to LSU, the last tiger bowl for the foreseeable future until this uh, schedule gets worked out. I know I would be the first one to start a petition that that one deserves to stay on our schedule, but good stuff. Okay. Let me get your take on a few results across college football lately. Just a brief update on what happened this past week. And then we will wrap things up Uh, a couple big uh, SEC matchups this past weekend that were anticipated to tell us a good bit about where things could potentially be heading. Uh, for the West, it was Alabama, Texas A&M. And for the East, it was Kentucky, Georgia. One of them really uh, lived up to the hype and the other one did not, unfortunately. So Georgia with a very comfortable win over Kentucky back in Athens. They just have had so many freaking home games to start the season. <laughs> but um, 
Kentucky really was so ineffective against them. It was mm-hmm. it was kind of surprising. Uh, and then Alabama A and M Saban goes in to College Station, comes away with the win, twenty six twenty, and a very deflating loss for Texas A and M, who yeah. definitely thought it was it was theirs for the taking. Because for all intents and purposes, it was. Uh, give me your take on kind of where the SEC stands right now. Oh man, the hat got to go back on. Gosh, dog, the hat go back on. Do you not know? That if Auburn can win the rest of their games in the oh, SEC, dang. they can go to the SEC championship. I, you have to put it out there. You have to put it out there. You do. I know it's a long shot, but you have to put it out there. And I'm going to tell you why I put it okay. out there. Alabama beat AM, AM beat us. So the good thing that we have for our schedule is if we could beat LSU and Baton Rouge, we get Ole Miss, Mississippi State at home. Our two road SEC games after that is Arkansas and Vanderbilt. And then we get Bama at home for the last game. Mm -hmm. So, and you know what happens when Bama plays in Jordan Hare. And things are on the line. You're right. So, our focus should be, if we could get these next two games, if you Mm -hmm. can find a way to win these next two games. That's the key. Yeah, and you catch fire. (laughs) You catch fire. Do you not know that Auburn can have a chance to play Bama for the SEC West? As crazy as it sounds. But the last two games, <laughs> AL, we didn't show up the first half, didn't show up the game pretty much at all offensively. Defensively, we did. Georgia game, we showed up as a team. Mm-hmm. So you learn a lot about your football team in the fourth and fifth games of the season. Don't give me the first two. Don't give me the first three. <laughs> the fourth and fifth game of the season, it's the same as in NFL. After your first quarter of football, which we consider the first four games, then yeah. you know where you're at when you get ready to start that second quarter. It's the same thing in college football. Everyone was talking about how Georgia, uh, you know, it hadn't been looking like they're getting better, you know, and and at, they're getting better. So for us, we're getting better. We was right there. If it mm-hmm. wasn't for us giving up a few passing plays in the fourth quarter of that game, we're sitting right now four and one uh, yeah. with a different with a attitude. win over Georgia. Yeah, with a win over Georgia. So now your confidence is totally out the door and everybody can be like, oh, yes, every game left on our schedule now is winnable because we lost that game at the end. Now everybody has downplayed the fact that they don't think our games are winnable anymore. I actually I, – I don't take as much from the Georgia game because if that's the team we are, I actually think that we have a lot to feel good about. Uh, I actually took more from Texas A&M and even the Cal win. I didn't feel great about that win. And I understand it was game two of the season. I understand that for sure. Texas A&M was also on the road and and we're going to have to face LSU. I see. That's my next point. My next point is you do all of that against Georgia. Mm-hmm. Now you go on the road against LSU. If we go to the road and we look like A&M game against LSU, now, now that's a huge problem. Exactly. You know, we got to go to LSU and look like the team that showed up against Georgia. But is that that team just because they have a Jordan Hare behind them? That's what we're going to find out. Well, that's what we're going to find out. This is why we play the game is this Saturday to figure out are we still trending in that right direction of what we saw against Georgia? But can we travel with that same intensity? Exactly. That's what that's what we will talk about next week is did we travel with that same intensity? Oh, we left it in Auburn. 
Exactly. Does it now, live in Jordan hair and that's right, it? Does, right, exactly. Are we, are, we, are we a home team? You know, are we kind of like the Falcons will show up at home and then oh, we just gosh. on the road we don't, you know. Or like, is that our mentality? Uh, or is that a mentality, you know? So that's 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 the thing. And I say that because, you know, living in Atlanta. But, right. you know, <laughs> everyone know I'm a Washington. It is accurate. Nah, yeah, yeah. It, it is, is accurate. accurate. It's accurate, though. But um, you talked about Georgia and uh-huh. Kentucky. Kentucky, I think, read too much of the Clippings. Like, they've been at home. They've been doing good. They beat Florida. And they thought that, oh, we just beat the doors off Florida for three straight years and we arrived. Right. And they run into to, to, to Athens. They get to Athens and they run against the Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm just watching the game. I'm just like, if you're the team that's on the road, you can't do dumb stuff. What I mean right. by that is you can't get – dumb defensive penalties or holding penalties on offense. And that's exactly what they did on the first drive. They did it again on the second drive. Georgia's about to punt them the ball. And what do they do? They hit a man late. They yank a man that just do dumb stuff. And you realize like, okay, you haven't arrived yet because until you can learn to be disciplined, which is why Georgia has been winning the last couple of years and Bama right. winning the years before that is one. Their number one thing is it's discipline. And you got to have that if you want to win games in the SEC. So, no, You're right. Kentucky was not there yet. They're still going to be who they are until they can show that they can take that next step. And yeah, an a bama game, Mill Rose, has, Mill Rose, Mill Rose has showed you that he can throw the ball. He can. You He's know, gotten better. But people was downing him so much the first two games. And I'm trying to tell folks, people just all over him. I'm talking about Bama fan. You know, Bama fan, they talk to me too. And I'm just trying 100%. to tell them like, yeah, they try to tell me I'm speaking at speaking engagement. They're just downing the kid. I said, hold on, time out. I said, let me tell y'all something about, about quarterbacking. You can't plug and play. A kid has to have time to develop. Right. I said, he played the first game. Y'all was talking about, oh man, he looks good. It was against Middle Tennessee State. The next game they play against Texas, and all of a sudden you find out that Texas is a pretty good football team. Right. And you find out in that Texas game, you put everything on him. You didn't think about the fact that the offensive line was getting their butt whipped up front. You didn't think about how defensive they was giving up touchdown passes left and right. But you put everything on that kid to the point that every day of the next week on the fine bomb show and everything, everybody said, you got to get him out of here. You got to get him out of here. So what happens? It's okay. crazy. Saban plays two other quarterbacks against USF. Saban said They go down there and they couldn't even <laughs> move the ball against USF. Yeah. So he like, okay, I've been won seven national championships now, so y'all think I can't coach. Exactly. So now I so said, I'm going to let y'all see what I had behind him. And then it will be no more discussion. So what happened? He put him out there. Luckily, they came out of that game with a victory. Now, Miro get back in there. And he's showing improvement every week is what you want to see. Exactly. I was like, so give kids time to develop and kids time to, to do this. But some people have become spoiled, man, you know, where they don't oh, understand. they are. Appreciate yeah, they are. They've been spoiled. I'm just like, you know, and for us at Auburn, hey, uh, we just we, we, we have work to do. I know. I know. We'll get there. We will get yeah, there. We'll get there. We will get there. We need patience. Um, they will have to bring a certain level of intensity. Like you said, a certain level of discipline. Speaking of discipline, Miami. Oh my goodness. I don't know that I've ever seen a worse coaching club ever. 
it makes me wonder where they stat pointing. I mean, stat like trying to build a stat and run it because I like what other reason what would you not point? take a knee? I said, just take a knee and the game is over. What was the point of you know the only thing that could help Georgia Tech was you hand the ball off and you fumble. And fumble and you did. I'm and, so confused. They were undefeated. Like, what why did you chance that? And you know, so many times early in season you've got these matchups and you see starters still playing and you're like, why are you still playing this guy? He could get hurt. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, game reps are important. We're on week six. You don't need another rep running the damn ball. Take an, I, I was, I didn't know if I had seen it correctly. I was like, am I missing something here? And this is not a new coach. This coach has been paid out the wazoo to turn this program around, a program with history, how do you uh, mess up like that? That's just bad in a lot of ways because this team will have to be closely watched now because, tell you, you've been covering college football now for a few years and you know mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. One game can either propel you upward or it can cause locker room problems and you can go Ooh. down. This is that game when because like as a player, you're supposed to believe in your coaching staff that they're gonna put you in a position to be successful or they're gonna at least, you know, try to make the right decisions. And in right. this situation, everybody in the country know the game is done. You just take a yeah. knee, people are heading out the stadium, everything, and all of a sudden, and it's saw it in their defense because that happens, and now it's in their defense. And they showed a clip this kid on the sideline, and he was just crying and you know, and like saying, What the F are we doing? Right. And I, you that's everyone's that. thought. Right. So if he's saying that, and then defensively, you going out there shell shocked. And then all of a sudden you give up two plays where you let a guy get behind you, which should never happen in that situation. You should always play back and keep everything in front of you. You know the only thing that can beat you is a touchdown. And then you give up a touchdown. And then all of a sudden you get to the locker room and you're the coach and you got to address the team. And you're addressing the team and you got kids mm-hmm. kind of looking probably sideways pissed off at you, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on? Like, doubting you, like, dude, you just cost us from being undefeated and being in the ACC where we're still, like, in the top to now Florida State gained the game on us, you know, and and everything. Duke's gained the game on us because we do something stupid. You know, Mm -hmm. let's just call it what it is. That was just not a a good choice. And so this is a critical week. I'm not sure who they play this week, but it'll be a good game to kind of closely watch just to see, like, the the team morale because that's the type of thing that can kind of derail your team a little bit dealing with something like that. 1,000% and create some separation. The stage is definitely set for an exciting day down in Death Valley. Looking forward to Jason's coverage, as always, and uh, hope everyone enjoys. That will be 6 o'clock Central Time kickoff on ESPN. Make sure you tune in. That's going to do it for us here and Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you so much, as always, for listening and following along. Make sure you subscribe if you have not already, wherever you get your podcasts, so you'll get a notification whenever we release an episode. Make sure you also subscribe on on YouTube as we are on Believe's YouTube channel every week. Share with your friends, post us on social, and come on back next week to recap the Tiger Bowl. Have a good week, everybody. War Eagle. War Eagle. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.